Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Week number 13 of the NFL season is upon us, and this is the beginning of the end, the final third of the 2023 season uh, begins uh, on Thursday when the Cowboys and the Seahawks kick things off. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this on Thursday tonight, so I'm recording this on Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah, it's the beginning of the end already, and uh, it's crazy to talk about. But uh, well, the last big bye week of the season, we've got six teams on the bye uh, this week. We have the Ravens, the Bills, my beloved Bears, the Raiders, the Vikings, and the Giants all finally on their bye week. Uh, next week, the, um, the Cardinals and the Commanders close out the bye weeks. So we've got one more week after this uh, with bye weeks. And then, uh, for what is that, week 15 through 18, we'll have 16 games each and every week until we get to the... Uh, Playoffs. So this is our last short week uh, of the season, or our last super short week with only 13 games. So that means we've only got three pick six games. And thank God, because I did not see, you know, four or five. I mean, you know, three was actually the 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 ceiling on the amount of games that I wanted to that I thought were pick six worthy uh, for the for the show uh, this week. So thank God that uh, this came along when it did. We've got a monster game uh, in the late window on Sunday between the 49ers and Eagles. Obviously, that's going to be uh, talked about. Uh, we've got some interesting games. Uh, you know, a lot of like you know, not really great matchups this week. The Colts at the Titans, the Chargers and the the Patriots. Yawn. Uh, Detroit in New Orleans. Uh, maybe because it's in New Orleans, the 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 Saints are tough at home. But I just think. The Lions are pissed about you know how they got beat up by the the Packers on on Thanksgiving and yeah that, that's probably not going to go well for the for the Saints uh, the Falcons and the Jets which is hilarious because if I'm not mistaken and let me pull it up real quick but uh, oh if, if if not for the Patriots this would be a game between a team that's in first place and a team that's in last place in their division only separated by a game because the Falcons are five and six and are leading the NFC South right now. And the jets are four and seven, but because the Patriots are God awful, they're in third place uh, in their division at the moment. So yeah, if the Falcons were in the NFC, they would be, or in the AFC, I should say at five and six, the best they would be is the 11 seed in the AFC right now. That's as good as it is. But as it stands right now, they're the four seed hosting a playoff game uh, in the wild card round. So, yeah, it's uh, what a what a night and day difference from the AFC to the NFC as far as the level of competition uh, is concerned. So, yeah, we got we Carolina at Tampa Bay, 1-10 versus 4-7. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, not the best week. So we got some games to talk about we got our all-out blitz and uh so let's go ahead and get started this is the week 13 preview episode of the fourth phase so let's get to it welcome to the fourth phase Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Ironically enough, Week 13 brings us 13 games uh, this season. And uh, 
you know, like I said, when I when I went up and down the schedule, I had a hard time picking out three games that I wanted to feature uh, in the pick six. The big winners this week, we have the Thursday night game, Seattle uh, and Dallas, which I find intriguing because this is that now annual game where two teams that played on Thanksgiving get a full week but are still playing on Thursday uh, again. So it's like the Cowboys and the Seahawks both played on Thanksgiving, and they've, they got a full week of preparation between their next game, but it's also on Thursday. So they don't get that mini-buy until after the game on Thursday. Then they get their 10 days uh, of rest before their Week 14 uh, matchups. But uh, Denver and Houston is the other matchup, two 6-5 and five teams that, uh, you know, Denver's kind of in there by the hair of their chinny chin chin as uh they've won some really tight ball games in their five game winning streak and Houston coming up just short of taking over first place in the AFC South when they lost to Jacksonville on Sunday. And then of course the biggest matchup probably of the year is like I know that we said this a few weeks ago when the when the Eagles played the Chiefs, but I feel like this one is bigger. And uh, it's the 49ers at Philadelphia. That's in the late window uh, on Sunday afternoon on Fox. Yeah, that one's going to be huge uh, because despite their record disparity, I think this game is a lot closer than their records would uh, would indicate. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. But before we get to our, our all-out blitz and our pick six, let's for a moment go into our news and notes and – Getting into our pick'em standings and get the show started. Biggest news of the week by far is the fact that the uh, the Jets have opened the twenty one day practice window for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, just uh, barely three months removed from him uh, tearing his Achilles tendon or rupturing the tendon uh, against the Bills in Week One. And he's already, you know, recovered enough that uh, he's practicing. And, um, you know, the Jets are in a hell of a spot right now. He's not likely to play on Sunday. They really need him to because the offense couldn't be any worse right now. I mean, it's it's risky as hell because the offensive line is banged up and not playing well. But, uh, you know, if, if, if ever they needed Aaron Rodgers to come back, now is the the time while there's still a little bit of a ray of hope for them to make a run at the playoffs. And like I said, it's going to be tough in the AFC because right now at four and seven, they are second to last in the entire conference because of tiebreakers and, and all that kind of stuff out of 16 teams in the AFC, they are 15 right now. And if they lose again, I think that'll be their fifth loss in a row. They'll be four and eight you know, because in the AFC, the losing records don't stop until you get to the ninth seed in the AFC. So you've got winning records. You know, two teams with winning records aren't going to make the playoffs. You have the Bills at number 10. They're at 500 at 6-6. Six and six. They still have to keep winning and get some help from the teams above them uh, to get back into the playoff race. And the Jets are two games behind them. So, yeah. They desperately need Aaron Rodgers to come back, but is it worth risking him not being able to play next year to try to salvage this season? So it's it's an interesting uh, situation. You know, the best case scenario is that maybe they could win another game or two, and you know Rodgers can come back to a you know six and you know six and six uh, you know uh, seven and six kind of football team where they're. They're, they're, you know, kind of on the outside, just barely on the outside. Maybe they can get into a wild card uh, position or anything like that. But instead, they have to win three straight just to be at 500 uh, again. And, you know, they've got three more games to win after that to see if they can make it. Because right now, like I said, in the AFC, a 500 team is three spots outside of the playoffs. They're on that, they're in that in the hunt graphic that they love to show uh, during the games, but they're on the outside. Uh, looking in uh, for sure. So I don't even know if it's worth it to bring Rodgers back, especially if they do lose this game to the Falcons uh, on Sunday. 
But, uh, you know, the Falcons are as scatterbrained on offense as a team can be uh, in the NFL uh, this year, and the Jets have a really good defense. It could be a recipe for disaster uh, for the Falcons. You have this this super motivated – I mean, and it, maybe this is actually what the Jets are trying to do. Maybe this is some kind of uh, motivation ploy. Like, you see Rodgers out there, but if you actually want to see him on the field, you know, winning football games for you, you got to win a game or two uh, in order to make it worth bringing him back. Because if he re-injures that Achilles tendon, you can forget about him. And I don't, I don't think he can do the same thing again. You know, he won't be ready to go and practicing by the time OTAs start, or at least I doubt very much that they would even let him. So, yeah, it's uh, it's risky. So it, it might be. Uh, a ploy, and in this 21-day window, if the Jets lose all three of their games, then, hey, it was a nice thought, but uh, it's not worth it to bring him back. The hole that they're in, he wouldn't be able to dig him out of. Maybe if they were in the NFC, we're a 4-7 and seven team right now. Let's see. We got some four. Yeah, the Buccaneers are 4-7. and seven. They're the 11th seed right now. So, and only, they're like one game back of the Rams and the Saints who are both 5-6. and six. The Packers are five and six, so you know the the Vikings at seven are five hundred at you know, and they're in the playoffs right now. And then the teams behind them are five and six, eight, nine, and ten, all five and six. So they're one game back of the next of the team that's just on the outside. So, but they're in the AFC where they're second to last at four and seven. So that's how deep things are in the AFC. So. It's real interesting to to think about the possibilities and maybe the Jets are doing this to kind of spur the team on. Like if you want to see this guy out there make the most miraculous comeback you've ever heard of and then also kind of lead the team when he comes back, we need you to, you know, help us help you kind of thing. You know, <laughs> go out there and steal a win, get a couple of wins, make it worth his while. If two weeks from now you're six and seven just before the window closes – then it might be worth bringing him back. But if they lose to the Falcons on, on Sunday, they'll be 4-8. and eight. Yeah, I don't think it would be worth it at that point. So, yeah, well, uh, it's interesting. I didn't think they would do it this soon, but they did. So he was out there practicing today uh, on Wednesday. We'll see how that all, uh, that all shapes out. But, uh, yeah, something to keep your eye on. But I think I still say if they lose on Sunday, then it's probably over with and they'll shut him down. Uh, for the year and try again with a clean slate in 2024. So, and honestly, that's all I got for, for news and notes, or at least that's the only thing that came across my desk that I thought was interesting enough to bring up in the um, news and notes section. So let's move on to our pick'em game where, uh, yeah, most of us had a really great week this week. Top point getter this week was Decatur Staley's 123 out of 136 for the full 16 slate uh, game in week 12. And for the for the second time this year, you know, I score over 100 points. Man, I really think I'm doing something. But 106, yeah, I don't even think that that the you know just about everybody scored 110 points. Irish Mafia right on his heels at 122. Uh, let's see, we had 118 from Velcro's picks don't stick. You know, everybody, uh, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six. So I had the seventh best score at 106. I went 12 and four and went uh, and got 106. I think Decatur Staley's did actually significantly better uh, than that. Let's have a look here. Yeah, he went 14 and two. The only games he lost were Houston, and like everybody else, he lost the Detroit game. We all, everybody went in on Detroit, and I think actually he went the lightest on them by only giving them 10. Yeah, I went 16 on the Lions, and they dis, most decidedly let me down when they blew that game against the Packers. But uh, yeah, I mean, they even picked the Bears, and they went heavy on the Bears. I know you're a Bears fan, bro, but 12 on the Bears to beat the Vikings? Oh, man, that's balls right there is what that is. God bless you. You deserve that win. You deserve it. Good for you. 
But, uh, yeah, so he's the big winner for Week 12. He's our top point scorer at 123. Like I said, Velcro picks don't stick. It was at, or excuse me, Irish Mafia was 122 right behind him. 118 from Velcro's picks don't stick was our third highest getter of the week. And uh, Fields of Dreams still leading the pack. 1,015 points now, so we broke... uh, Broke the barrier. We're into uh, we're into the thousands now. One thousand fifteen at one eighteen and sixty two. So winning both championships right now, the points and the uh, record. Afalava sneaks up into second place at a thousand and three points at one fifteen and sixty five. So you must have the tiebreaker over JoJo because JoJo's also at one thousand three and has a, a a game better in the records at one sixteen and sixty four. So I'm guessing that uh, the tiebreaker is what has Afalava technically in second place right now. Agent Orange jerseys, 982 at 116 and 64. CA Zoid, 981 at 117 and 63. He's in fifth. McCubin climbing up the board at 972 and 111 and 69 in sixth. S. Van Horn, also 972 and 111 and 69. So McCubin must have the tiebreaker there. Tanyoka, 970 at 110 and 70. Secret Bajant Man, 960 at 109 and 71. And then there's me hanging around in the top 10 at 959 with 108 and 72. So, yeah. Hey, I'm already over 100 wins for the season. But, uh, yeah, we got some got some way to go before I can uh, claim the title here. And I need some help. You guys need to start... Uh, Start tanking for me so I can win my own league, if you don't mind. I mean, there's no money on the line or anything. It's just bragging rights, so let me be able to brag, damn it. I'm supposed to be the expert here. So, anyway, <laughs> congratulations. Oh, congratulations to Decatur Staley's for winning the week this week. And uh, props to Fields of Dreams, who's basically been our leader for every week, but like one or two so far this season is currently winning the points and record title uh, for this particular season. So there you have it, guys. There's our pick standings and our very abbreviated uh, news and notes uh, section. So now we will go ahead and move on, as we always do with the preview episodes. We will start with the All Out Blitz. All-out blitz for week number 13. We begin in Tennessee, where the Colts and the Titans will battle. The Colts have won three straight, but against lesser competition. Meanwhile, Tennessee finally snapped a three-game losing streak, but that win came against Carolina. This is a tough call, but I'm going to go with the Colts. L.A. Chargers at the Patriots. Herbert and the Chargers struggle to score points against strong defenses, and it's the one thing that the Patriots actually do well. But unless their defense also starts scoring points, it won't be enough to beat L.A. Give me the Chargers. Detroit at New Orleans. The Lions have had 10 days to stew over their poor performance against Green Bay, while the Saints' two-game losing streak has cost them their hold on the NFC South lead. I'm going to go with the angry Lions on this one. Atlanta at the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is practicing in hopes that will open the window to his return. But if the Jets lose their fifth straight against the newly first-placed Falcons, that window will likely stay closed. Give me the Falcons. Arizona at Pittsburgh. Last week, the Steeler offense was able to move the ball more effectively but still struggled to score points. Can they take the next step and score more points, or will it be on the defense to keep doing the heavy lifting? I'll keep going with the heavy lifting. The Steelers win over the Cardinals. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Everyone in the NFC South has spent at least one week in first place this year except the Panthers. And despite losing four of their last five, the Bucs are actually only one game back from doing it again. Give me the Buccaneers. Miami at Washington. The Commanders cut defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio loose after giving up 45 points to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Meanwhile, Tua and the Dolphins feast on lesser teams, so this thing could get ugly in D.C. on Sunday. Give me the Dolphins. Cleveland at the Rams. The Browns' offense has struggled after the loss of Deshaun Watson. Can the Browns' defense slow Stafford and the Rams down enough to get back to winning football games? 
Tough call, but I'm going to say yes. I'll go with the Browns. Kansas City at Green Bay. Sunday night football. Have Jordan Love and the Packers turned the corner having won three of their last four? Or will, rela- or will we reality <laughs> set in during a visit from the defending world champion Chiefs on Sunday in Lambeau? I'm going to go with the latter. Chiefs win. And finally on Monday night football, Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Monday begins a three-game stretch for the Jags against the AFC North, while the Bengals will probably need to start planning for 2024 if they come up short in their fourth straight game. Give me the Jaguars. And there you go, guys. The all-out blitz for week number 13. What do you say we go ahead and get back to the meat of the sandwich here and talk about our pick six for week number 13. Pick six, week number 13. Only got three games, as I mentioned before. We begin where the week begins on Thursday night in Dallas between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. As I mentioned before, this is the now annual game between two teams that played on Thanksgiving. And uh, so both teams have had a full week of preparation, or they've used this week as they would you know, had they played on Monday, but everything got shifted over. and uh, But the Cowboys get to stay at home and host the Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks have uh, looked like they were picking up where they left off last year, kind of being that surprise team. Uh, even after trading away Russell Wilson, Geno Smith had a renaissance. He was the comeback player of the year and, uh, you know, got won 10 games. They went to the playoffs last year. Obviously, they came up short against the 49ers. Uh, and everything, but they got off to a 5-2 and two start, so it looked like they were right back to going and back and doing that again. But since then, they've lost three out of their last four. They lost their lead in the AFC, in the NFC West there for a bit. And in this, this three of four, they've lost back-to-back divisional games to the Rams and the uh, 49ers. So, you know, where this was a team that was looking good, playing tough, solid uh, football, and and actually in their in their losses, uh, especially that one against the Bengals, it was more so that they beat themselves more so than the Cincinnati Bengals beat them uh, in that ball game. They should have beaten the Rams. They had a chance to. They came up short uh, on the field goal attempt uh, two weeks ago, and uh, you know they've uh, then then they've bookended their season so far with a bad half against the Rams in week one where they got shut out and lost that game 30-13. to And then the 49ers game was just one game that nothing went right for them. The 49ers had outstanding field position throughout the uh, game. The, the, the Seahawks could not catch a break on field position. Uh, you know, they turned the ball over and things like that. It was just a disaster, just not their night at all. But they've had a full week uh, to get ready for this, uh, this Cowboys game. And the thing about the Cowboys is that if you look at their schedule, they have had, they're probably one of the most dominant teams in the league this year. But when you really look at it, the Cowboys' eight wins have come against the Giants, two games against the Giants, where they thoroughly dominated them, but the Giants are four and eight this year. They took the first game of Zach Wilson starting this season. Uh, thirty to ten over the Jets. Uh, they beat the uh, Patriots thirty-eight to three in a stretch where I think in three games the Patriots scored twelve points or something ridiculous like that. Uh, they beat the Chargers and uh, the Carolina Panthers and the who the Chargers were four and seven, the one and ten Carolina Panthers and the four and eight. Washington Commanders this past week on Thanksgiving. So they haven't beat a team with a winning record yet. And while the Seahawks are not playing like a winning team, they do have a winning record at the moment, and they are capable of better football than they've delivered in the last few weeks. So, because, I mean, even in the game that they've won in that three out of four, because that four-game stretch, they lose 37-3 to to the Ravens. They Beat the Commanders on a last-second field goal, 29-26. to They struggle mightily against the Rams and miss the field goal that should have won it at the end. And then on Thanksgiving, they just absolutely get rolled in their own building 
uh, by the 49ers. It was a bad, bad night. So it's not been a good month for the um, for the Commanders. Excuse me, the Seahawks, and um, and they're going into Dallas where the Cowboys are five and zero, and in their five rec- five wins at home, they've won thirty to ten, thirty eight to three, forty three to twenty, forty nine to seventeen. Excuse me, that that game against L A was the Rams, not the Chargers. My mistake. But that forty-three to twenty—that was the Rams game. Forty-nine to seventeen—that was the uh, Panthers, and then forty-five to ten over the Commanders on Thanksgiving Day, which uh, ended up being Jack Del Rio's last day as uh, offensive defensive coordinator for the uh, for the Commanders. That is a total of uh, a scoring total of two hundred and five to sixty. Which, for those of you who like math, and I like math, for an average score. In their first five home games of the season, they've won every game on an average 41 to 6. I mean, <laughs> the 30 points they scored against the Jets in week two is the lowest point total of the season for them. Their last, and they've scored 40 points or more in their last three games at home 43 to 20, 49 17, 45 to 10. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a bad combination because the Seahawks are not a losing team, and the two the two winning teams that the um, Cowboys played against the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers, they played tough against Philly, but that game was in Philly, and uh, you know they actually had a chance to win that game, but they blew it, and that's the thing with the Cowboys is that in these big moments that they're kind of being cliched right now because they can beat up on the lesser teams. They're really good at that, especially this year. They're really good at beating up on teams. They haven't beaten one with a winning record yet. They had that fluke loss to the Cardinals in week three, but they lost that one 28-16. That's a two-score game right there. They got just absolutely hammered by the 49ers, 42-10, and then came up short against Philly 28-23 a few weeks ago. So, you know, but here you got Seattle coming in. They're six and five, so they have a winning record. Um, they are capable of better football than they've been playing for the last few weeks. You know, it's not looking good though. Kenneth Walker is doubtful for the Cowboy game. That's their best running, their best running back. Geno Smith is kind of banged up uh, as well. The Cowboys are. You know they've got they've got some injuries here and there, but they're otherwise just and they're just freakishly dominant at home this year. But that has all been because of the big uh, because of the uh, schedule. Their home games: the Jets, the Patriots, the Rams, the Giants, and the Commanders. Not exactly a murderer's row uh, of teams that they've had to face in their own building this year. But that changes right here with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are probably better than any team they've faced at home so far this year. And then their last two home games, they are hosting the Eagles and the Lions. Yeah, definitely both of those teams are, ha- are going to have winning records. And that Lions game in Week 17 could have heavy implications as far as playoff seeding and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be a Monday night game. So that one's going to be huge. So, yeah, big-time game uh, right there. So I don't know if, uh, if, if Dallas is still winning games 41-6 to with the Eagles and the Lions coming to town, then, yeah, you've got to worry about Dallas hosting playoff games. But otherwise, they're following the script. That is where, you know, they're dominant until they find they, – they bull, they're a bully. They are a bully until they run into another bully. And the Eagles are a bully. The 49ers are a bully. The Lions can be a bully. Can the Seahawks do it, though? Because unlike every team that Dallas has beaten this year, they have a winning record. But they're not playing winning football right now. So it's definitely an interesting uh, conundrum. So, I mean, the, the Seahawks are slowly digging their way out of the NFC playoff picture right now. If the season ended today, they're, they're in. They're a sixth seed. But, uh, you know, they'd be easy fodder 
uh, in the NFC right now. The Lions are the are the are the three, so they'd be going to Detroit in the first round of the playoffs. Now, granted, one of their wins is at is against Detroit in Detroit in Week Two. Yeah, Week Two, but uh, they're both different teams than they were at that point in the uh, in the season. So I wouldn't like Seattle's chances of winning a second time in Detroit if uh, if push came to shove. It's I. I I wouldn't feel comfortable thinking Seattle could do it three games in a row because they beat them in Detroit last year. They beat them again this year. I don't think that with the state that these two teams are in right now, I don't think that uh, they'd be able to do it a third time. So, you know, that's... uh, Yeah, I still think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I don't know if they'll be able to maintain their 41-6 average uh but if there is a game for them to do that in especially with detroit and um philly their remaining two home games after this this is the game for them to do it because i don't see them you know they might beat philadelphia in their own building but they won't beat them 41 to 6 that's for damn sure so you know with the uh with the eagles coming up next week they're gonna have that 10-day rest to get ready for them but uh, it's gonna be on sunday night football the whole country's gonna be uh, watching, and we'll see. I mean, that might actually be prime time for the Eagles to, or for the Dolphins, the Dolphins. What the hell's the matter with me? For the Cowboys to play the uh, Eagles because the Eagles are going to be coming off of a, I'm assuming, a war with the 49ers. So that's also something that the Cowboys might want to be careful with on Thursday as well is looking ahead to the Eagles. Because they've already they they probably feel like they should have beaten Philly in Philly, because they had a chance to, they came up short, and that's playing into the cliche that they are, you know they're the bully until they run into another bully, the Philly Philly's a bully and they got they got beat up by the bigger stronger bully in that one, so will they look past the Seahawks to get to the Eagles? Obviously that would be a mistake, but um, all things being equal. Like I said, I think the Seahawks are a better team than they've been playing, but they got to actually go out and do it. And playing against a team that has been as dominant as they have been at home, I I really like the uh, the Cowboys to uh, win on Thursday. Denver at Houston, game number two of our pick six. Five weeks ago, the Broncos were one and four and held the number two overall pick. Uh, in the draft. Meanwhile, the Texans were three and three, and were really just starting to hit their stride as far as uh, really, you know, figuring out how to win football games. And uh, since then, the uh, Broncos have won five straight, and are uh, along with the uh, Texans, who are also six and five who actually, if they get a luckier bounce uh, on Sunday, could be the first-place team in the AFC South right now. So these teams are right now the first two teams on the outside of the uh, playoff picture. They are the 8 and 9 seed. I think only one game back in the uh, playoff standings right now. Actually, they're tied with the Colts. But the Colts have a tiebreaker over both teams. So the Colts actually have a head-to-head. Says the Colts win the tiebreaker over Denver based on win percentage in conference games. And uh, the Colts have a head-to-head win over Houston. I don't think they've played the Colts in the rematch yet. So let me see. Colts. Yeah, the, the Colts is their last game of the season. So they, they lose the tiebreaker to, to the Colts having lost to them in week two. And uh, the tiebreaker, uh, I guess the the Colts have the tiebreaker over Denver because of win percentage in conference. So, but all three of those teams are six and five. The season ended today. The Texans and the Broncos are on the outside, and the Colts are in at six and five. But that can change. So uh, you know the Texans, though, man, having watched uh, almost all of that uh, that Jacksonville game on Sunday with the Texans and the Jags. The Texans really need to get a running game uh, going because, uh, you know, I think 
Jacksonville may have uh, laid out the blueprint on how to at least slow down C.J. Stroud or to contain him is to, you know, rush with four or three, depending on your defense, and then sit back in zone and let your secondary do the work. Because, I mean, the secondary for the Jaguars is really what won that game uh, for them because C.J. Stroud had forever to throw the ball, but he's back there and he's back there and he's back there and he's back there. So either the Texans need to develop a running game to you know get people back into the box and open things up uh, in the secondary, or C.J. Stroud needs to use his legs more, a la the guy that he took over from in Ohio State, Justin Fields. He needs to become dangerous with his legs so that people you know, will respect the running aspect of the offense because it was clear Jacksonville didn't. So whether it was something that they learned when they lost it to the Texans in week three uh, of the season or just something that they've noticed on tape in the, in the, you know, the weeks that C.J. Stroud has really you know, come into his own um, in the last five weeks especially, whatever it was, Jacksonville did not go after him. They sat back in coverage and let him you know, either wear himself out or you know, just <laughs> – Whatever the situation was, sometimes he won and he was able to find somebody open and, and make a play. Uh, otherwise, he would, you know, he got sacked or he would have to throw the ball away because there was nothing there and and things like that. It's like, but C.J. Stroud had a millennia to throw the ball at times in that game against Jacksonville, but they didn't bring extra bodies. They sat back in coverage and let the secondary do the work. And Denver's been playing really good defense. Uh, over the last few weeks, Vance Joseph has really gotten that unit turned around. Uh, after you know, obviously their bo- their rock bottom was seventy points to the Dolphins earlier uh, in the season. You don't really hear people talk about that uh, anymore because they've won five in a row, and they've won three of those five games with at a combined five points because they won two of them by two points and one by one point. You know, it's like that week that that went over the uh, Browns on Sunday, twenty nine to twelve is a blowout compared to the way that they've won football games during this during this stretch. So, yeah, they uh, they started with nineteen seventeen over the Packers. Then they had that win over the Chiefs, big one, twenty four to nine. But then then they eked out that win over Buffalo, where the Bills just would not get out of their their own way at the end of that Monday nighter there. Then they won against the Vikings 21-20 to on that last-second touchdown uh, from Wilson to uh, Cortland Sutton. And then, like I said, this past Sunday against the Browns, 29-12 to is the biggest win they've had in the last five weeks. So, yeah, it's uh, – the, 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 the Broncos are good at winning these close games. And, uh, I mean, I think the Texans have been really good at the one-score games – uh, as well, but as far as like what these teams do well, it, it's uh, that's why I had to bring this one up. Number one, because these are both teams trying to edge their way into the playoffs. Um, they're teams that both that both are that teams are afraid of both of these guys right now. How well they're playing, how they're seeing you know ugly wins or whatever you want. It's it's you know you don't want to play these guys right now, especially if you're a team where your playoff future could be on the line uh, while you're playing them. And uh, both of these teams need to get a win uh, in this situation. You know, what was looking like a massive failure uh, for Sean Payton, especially with all the bravado and the trash talk he did, I believe, when that USA Today article came out where he's trashing Nathan Hackett and all that kind of stuff, is now, you know, has the Broncos on the cusp of going back to the playoffs. Like he said that they would. He said this is a playoff team. We're definitely, you know, good enough uh, for that, and that's where you can expect to find us uh, kind of thing. And then they go out and start, you know, one and four. So, but like I said, since then, they're five and one, and uh, they've won five straight and, um, you know, are playing well enough. I don't know if the, how much noise they'll make in the AFC if they manage to make the playoffs, but, you know, the fact that they could even make it there after the start that they had to the season is a, is a pretty miraculous uh, thing, but the Texans are an especially strong team at home, and uh, you know five games is a long time uh, for uh, you know to string together 
uh, some wins. And uh, Houston is probably really kind of kicking themselves about how they lost that game uh, against the uh, the Jaguars. Not to mention, it was probably one of the games where referees interfered with the outcome probably more than I've seen this season. So um, all things being, uh, you know, even I, I'd, I'd like the Houston Texans uh, to win here. And it's more so their ability to be explosive uh, on the offensive side uh, of the ball combined with the way that the uh, the Broncos tend to struggle on offense uh, scoring points. Because in this five-game winning streak, the 29 points that they had uh, against the Browns is the uh, is the best that they've done in scoring, and they've they got some help uh, on that. So, yeah, it's uh, some turnovers, and they're playing a bad Browns offense and uh, and everything else. So, I, I'll I'll go with the Texans. I'm sure that it will be a low confidence score that I put on this game, but I'm going with Houston over the Broncos on Sunday. <laughs> and then finally, the big one, the heavyweight matchup. You know, not only of the week, but uh, likely of the season, especially up to this point. I mean, we might be talking about this again when the Eagles and the and the uh, Cowboys get together next week and all that kind of stuff. But this game is massive right now. The Eagles hosting the 49ers. It is a NFC Championship rematch and a possible and likely, actually, NFC Championship preview. Only this time, well, Brock Purdy started that game, didn't he? He got hurt in the game against Philly, so I guess the the objective will to get Purdy through it injury-free to give themselves a chance to win the game versus having to put in uh, Josh Johnson or whoever it was that took over uh, for him in that ball game uh, last year. The 49ers are 4-2. and two. On the road this year, Philly is uh, undefeated in the uh, in the link right now at uh, five and zero, and uh, the Eagles haven't been pretty in their ten wins. It's been scary. It's been you know kind of erratic at times. Uh, they've uh, you know they turn the ball over from uh, from time to time, and uh, they make things interesting. I mean, God knows they uh, the likely to have uh, lost that game against Buffalo on Sunday, but they just kept fighting. They kept digging. They kept uh, coming back and, you know, they just keep finding ways to win football games, which what makes them so uh, scary. And so, you know, I don't want to say dominant because that's actually the one thing they haven't been this year is dominant. They've just been good. They've been, and at times they've been great in their ability to find ways to win and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, they've they had to eke out wins over the commanders, thirty-four to thirty-one, thirty-eight to thirty-one. They held on against the Cowboys. They came from behind against the the against the Chiefs on Monday night football to win the Super Bowl rematch. Then of course that miraculous uh game against the uh Bills uh last week. Jake Elliott had to kick a fifty nine yard field goal just to send it to overtime. They give up the field goal to the Bills to start and then march right down the field score the touchdown to walk off and, and win uh that ball game. But it's like they lost that game against the they lost the game against the Jets. They played well against the Dolphins and beat them on Sunday night uh football, you know, and things like that. So it's just been they've they've won ten games and I don't think they've won a game the same way twice this season. So it hasn't just been the one thing that they do well and that's what's gonna win the game for them. They've had to find and grind out wins in different ways throughout the uh, throughout the season. And after the three-game losing streak, the 49ers are back to being dominant uh, again. The three games that they've won since they came off the bye were a combined 92-30. to 30. So they're back to that, uh, like before, in their five-game winning streak to start the season, they're winning games like an average of... Uh, like 30 to 13 or something like 33 to 13 or something crazy like that. And here they are back to that 92 and 30. That's basically 31, 31 to 10 in three games. And uh, that's, you know, basically the average of the score that they've played 34 to three over the Jags, 
24, 27 to 14 over the Bucks, 20, 31 13 over the uh, Seahawks. And, uh, you know, the Jags, that's a playoff team right now. That's a division leader in the AFC South right now. The Seahawks, like I said a few moments ago, 5 and 2, they're a good team. They just haven't been playing good football the last few weeks. And, you know, the Buccaneers are probably the one exception uh, of the three games they've played uh, since the bye week. But not one of those three teams had a shot in hell with the way the 49ers played in those games. And now they're back to full strength. They're healthy. Um, They've eliminated or have been able to avoid the mistakes that cost them those three games in the middle of the season there. Because as you guys have heard say, heard me say a, a few times, with those three games, each loss was worse than the one before it. You know, like they should have beaten that, they should have won that game against Cleveland. They missed the field goal where they had the chance to win the game. All right, that happens. It sucks, but it happens. Fast forward to Monday Night Football against the Vikings. Can't seem to get out of their own way with the fumbles and missing field goals and then the interceptions at the end of the game. They lose that one. And then in their own building against the, the, the Bengals, the Bengals just flat out beat them and made them look bad in the process. So it's like when they came back in that game against Jacksonville, was like, I don't know which team to expect here. Has the rest been good for them? Or is it just going to be more of the same when they take place? Well, we got our answer right away because they were dominant against the Jaguars and they haven't looked back. 34-3 over in that one. And, you know, like I said, 27-14 over the Bucks, 31-13 over the Seahawks where it was just – they took the Seahawks to the woodshed, man. The game wasn't even close as 31-13 might suggest. It was an ugly, ugly game. But what it's going to come down to in this one is whoever makes the fewest mistakes. And, you know, you'd, you'd think like, yeah, well, duh. But it's, it's, it's really going to come down to something like that. Okay, because if one of these teams forces the other one to make four turnovers in this game, whoever is forcing the turnovers is going to win the game huge. That's just because these are the teams that capitalize on mistakes. Unfortunately, my Bears, not that team. You can force four turnovers and still have a chance to win the game. At the, you, can get four, four, you can give up four turnovers, still have a chance to win the game because they allowed the Lions, who had four turnovers, to beat them two weeks ago. And they nearly lost that game to the Vikings uh, on Monday Night Football. If the Vikings had turned the ball over four times against the Eagles or the 49ers, they'd have lost the game by 40. That is how great teams handle it. And even though they're playing another great team, the other great team in the conference right now, these are both teams that would be good enough to capitalize on those mistakes to make you pay for those mistakes so it really can come down to, you know, if somebody wins the turnover battle 2-1, to one, whoever has more turnovers is more likely going to be the team that wins the game. So I was like, I don't – and that's not accounting for, you know, the referees getting involved and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's like straight up these teams are pretty evenly matched as far as what they're capable of, what they do, how they do. And both of them like to run. The football, both of them have quarterback. I mean, you have the edge at quarterback with Jalen Hurts because he's a lot more dangerous on his feet than Brock Purdy is. But they both run their offenses very, very well. Brock Purdy, very good. A glorified game manager. I know that's probably more of an insult to Brock Purdy than anything else, but you know, he runs that offense like a like a stud. You know, he's very, very good. And uh, I mean, nothing could have worked out better. You know, he's He's working on becoming the next Tom Brady. You know, the mystery relevant that becomes a Super Bowl champion starting quarterback. That's the, you know, that's how he's trending at the moment. And, uh, you know, like I said, Jalen Hurts is the more dangerous of the two because of the, the element with him being able to run the ball. But both of these guys run their offenses really, really well. Um, you know, Purdy's been able to avoid mistakes in the three-game Winning streak while Jalen Hurts and the Eagles have been able to overcome their mistakes, but they haven't played each other yet. Can the Eagles force Purdy to make mistakes like he did during the losing streak? And can the uh, 49ers make Philly pay for the mistakes in a way that they wouldn't be able to recover from? It's going to be really, really interesting, which is why I say 
whoever makes the fewest mistakes in this game will be the one that comes out on top. And it's a really, really tough call. And if things stay equal, I don't know. It, my gut is telling me the 49ers are going to win this game. So I think it'll be close. I think it will be an absolute war. It could actually be one of those classics that we always look back on uh, and everything, or at least that's the way that I'm, I feel like this game could go. So I'm really looking forward to it, especially since the Bears are off this week. So it's not like i got to miss that game because I'm watching the Bears or anything. This will definitely be the one that I'm tuned into at 3 o'clock on Sunday to see how it all shakes out. So, you know, it's it's going to be a huge game. I hope it lives up to the hype. And for now, I'm taking the 49ers. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. There is your pick six for week number 13, and there is your preview of week number 13 for the fourth phase. Come back tomorrow on Friday. We'll have a special review episode Myself and Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears will get together and we'll discuss the second third of this season, week 7 through 12 for our beloved Chicago Bears. We do look ahead a little bit at the last five games of the season and even talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the postseason uh, when it comes, or offseason, I should say. Uh, you know, what's, what's ahead, the, the Bears draft and the general manager, who's the coach going to be, uh, and all that kind of stuff. You guys know how it is when Lauren and I get together and talk to Bears, get comfy because we're going to be at it for a while. So come on back on Friday for the 2023 two-thirds season review episode with myself and Lauren Cox. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.